0: Hey there, this is Rish Outfield, and, uh, isn't really the... Ooh, I pulled right, right in front of me. If I had been concentrating on podcasting instead of driving, well, accident. This isn't really the Rish Outcast, uh, I just, I didn't manage to get a Christmas episode this year. I wrote a story in... January that was intended to be my Christmas episode. I think I already discussed this somewhere. And I didn't get it typed up until October or so, maybe November. And there was something wrong with it. It just, it didn't, it's like, oh, shoot, this isn't a complete story. This is, this feels like, I guess it felt like a hack job, I don't know. And so I thought, well... Maybe I should dig up, you know, a Christmas story from yesteryear, and I'll do that. And I had one in mind. It's just something I wrote in 2000 or so, and uh, I never got a chance to sit down and record it. I got sick almost a week ago, and it messed up my voice. I, even when I started feeling better, my voice didn't sound right. And I, I had made the mistake of recording a story a few years back when my voice was messed up and it was uh, one of those stories where the protagonist was old and so I thought, well, you know the fact that my voice is not at its best because of sickness will only make the story better uh, and so I re- sat down and I recorded it and when I went to edit it no, it didn't make it better it made it sound like Ooh, the narrator has a cold. Or, oh, the narrator must have a nosebleed and he's got something jammed up his nostrils, which is interfering with all the character voices he's doing. Kind of taught me a lesson. Hey, don't do this again. Anyhow, I, uh, I'm not 100%. You can probably hear a little bit there. But it's so close to Christmas now that I can't wait any longer. I've got to do something. And so I thought I would uh, do a little episode right here, like I'm doing right now, and talk about something that's on my mind, and then uh, I'll sit down uh, with my good fake friend and uh, give you something here at the end of the episode. I, I still haven't managed to do the video Podcast thing. I, I was hoping that this would be that time, but I just i there's not enough time. Big had to experiment. You know, he would record something on his drive to work and then look at it and see. Okay, well, this didn't work, or the didn't the sound didn't work. Um, but I just I can't do that right now. The the month or so before Christmas is the busiest I ever get. I I, I start to become as busy as you folks are. And so I just, yeah, I'm struggling to find the time. I'm stuck in the car right now, so I figured I might as well take advantage of this time that I can say something to you. So, basically it's Christmas time, and uh, there's a lot of entertainment right now. Every time I I see my mom, she's watching, and I don't know if there's more than one Hallmark channel. Uh, maybe there's like a Hallmark holiday channel kind of thing, but there's all these made for Hallmark Christmas movies and they just marathon them. And this is going to be an overgeneralization and probably petty, but they're all the same. I just there. Sometimes people will come criticize romance novels as all being the same. And, you know, a lot of people uh, criticize the superhero movies as being all the same. You know, I take issue with that because I don't think that they are. Uh, But I really feel like these Hallmark movies are more contrived and derivative than even a romance kind of thing. Um, But plus, a lot of them have a romance aspect. And so... Maybe that's it. I, that, that, anyhow, I wonder when I see stuff like that, if I could have done better. I wonder if if I'm talented enough. You, you know what I'm trying to say? A, a lot of times, and, and I'm guilty of this too, people feel the need to tear something down in order to build themselves up. Or tear down something in order to compliment something else. And, uh, big and I had a conversation the other night, uh, while he was in this car, you know, he becomes a captive audience when he's driving. And that is the one time that I can talk to him because at work, he, I, he doesn't have an office anymore. Um, uh, and at home, I don't know if he, he has between 11 and 40 kids, I think. And there's always somebody that wants to talk to him and stuff. And, you know, that's fine. That's his priority. I, you know, I'm, I, when, when he lived here, I was down on the, the, the hierarchy of needs. But now there were thousands of miles apart. Yeah, I, I, I shouldn't even be on that list, but still it's bothersome when I want to talk to big and I, I can't just because for the last 10 years, I, I've been used to just being able to call him whenever I want and he, uh, he answers. But uh, we had this conversation just the other day of just how, how picky I am, I guess, for books, for uh, especially audiobooks. Um, he tends to listen to a lot of audiobooks because of his commute. And I don't want to say that he's easy, but he just doesn't seem to have the problems with... Books that I do, and uh, I I I'm a double threat because there are certain tendencies, there are certain ways of writing that I respond negatively to, and then at the same time there are there are way the audiobook narrators do their jobs that I have real problems with too. So yeah, there's there's double the chance to strike out, basically, and I don't know how to get over that. But I just, I, 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 I try to listen to these audiobooks because I don't have as much time to read and uh, they don't do it for me. Very rarely do I get an audiobook where I was just like, wow, that was solid. And I, yeah, I try to be forgiving. Not every narrator is going to do voices or accents or perform rather than read. But having said that, get a narrator who will. Get a narrator who tries. Who acts like it's their fucking job, rather than, oh, okay, well, shoot, I've got to go read to the blind in the burn ward again. Uh, I just... I don't know. They're being paid to do this. I mean, maybe... What it comes down to is I ask myself, as a narrator, could I do a better job than this? And yeah, a lot of times I say, uh-huh, yeah, I could. And then let's look at the other thing, the the writing aspect. And that's where I really don't have an answer. I was l- listening to an audiobook the other day, and we're going to not talk about the narrator at all. Because it's one of those things where they got a celebrity to narrate and who cares what i and so let's let's not mention that but the book felt like i was reading the cliff notes of a book where it's just like characters and plot and dialogue were touched on summarized it felt like you got the bare minimum the Reader's Digest condensed book. This, and I checked more than once. I checked when I first started and then I checked at the end when I started to think this is, uh, this has got to be an abridged version of the book because th- this is not working. And, uh, it wasn't. It was unabridged. It was a short book. But, I didn't feel like it was doing justice to the story that was being told and then it had epilogues epilogues are something you know sort of a a little cherry on the top of the Sunday. The, the story is done but here here is just something to a uh, it's the star on the christmas tree it's the bow on the present and suddenly those epilogues came to life and they took their time i think one of them was 54 minutes just as a single chapter and the story came to life in those epilogues and i thought how does this happen unless you get somebody else to write this part of the book i i i had no explanation it just bothered me. It flummoxed me. And it was just like, this is the best there is out there. And the reason I use that word is because it won the Hugo that year. I was just like, so obviously this is considered great. And, and yeah, after the story was done, it got great. And so maybe that's what people were left with, but I'm not, uh, I'm not sure what happened leading up to that. Anyhow, I had to ask myself, it's like, oh, you're so smart. You rig up the lights. I'm trying to tie it back to Christmas. Could I do better? And it's so easy to say, sure, I could do better. And nobody's ever going to hold you to that. But um, I don't know. I don't know if I could. These ideas pop into my head and it's like, oh, hey, that would be really, really good. Story ideas. And they're just unbridled potential when they jump into my head. It's like, that is a great idea for a story. And then the real work is turning that into something that does justice to the idea that came into my head. And that's where I... I I don't know. Same thing with the uh, hallmark Christmas for old ladies movie. Okay, they're schmaltzy and they're really trite and pat and easy. But could I do better? It's like, oh sure, I got this idea where this happens. But could I take that idea and translate it into the best? possible version of that idea it's like a broken mirror thing and I don't know I, I don't know Spock sorry I'm going to have to come back in a minute and talk about this well <laughs> time is fleeting as the song goes Madness tends to take its toll. I, uh... I've just run out of time. If I want to put this up for Christmas, I gotta put it up before Christmas. Essentially what I'm going to do is, uh... I'm gonna sit down, and I'm gonna turn on that camera that Big bought me, and... I'm going to read an excerpt from my favorite book, uh, Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens and I'm gonna to have to do it in a single take because I in theory I know how to edit video, but for the audio to match it would have to I would have to edit the audio and the video together and and I'm sure I can figure out how to do that but I'm not going to teach myself how to do it when I've got a day to get this up. Um, So this will be interesting. I will have uh, my good friend, fake Sean Connery voice Scrooge, and I will present it as this podcast. And uh, I will also present it as a little video. (laughs) Not exactly optimal, but uh, that's, that's how we're going to do it. And then I will be back for uh, goodbyes, and uh, we'll find out how this experiment goes. Thanks. The door of Scrooge's counting house was open that he might keep his eye upon his clerk, who in a dismal little cell beyond, a sort of tank, was copying letters. Scrooge had a very small fire, but the clerk's fire was so very much smaller that it looked like one coal. But he couldn't replenish it, for Scrooge kept the coal box in his own room, and so surely as the clerk came in with the shovel, The master predicted that it would be necessary for them to part. Wherefore, the clerk put on his white comforter and tried to warm himself at the candle, in which effort, not being a man of a strong imagination, he failed. "'A Merry Christmas, Uncle! God save you!' cried a cheerful voice. It was the voice of Scrooge's nephew, who came upon him so quickly that this was the first intimation he had of his approach." Bah! said Scrooge. Humbug! He had so heated himself with rapid walking in the fog and frost, this Mr. Universe nephew of Scrooge's, that he was all in a glow. His face was ruddy and handsome, his eyes sparkled, and his breath smoked again. Christmas a humbug, uncle? You don't mean that, I am sure. I do, said Scrooge. Merry Christmas! "'What right have you to be merry? "'What reason have you to be merry? "'You're poor enough.' "'Come then,' returned the nephew gaily. "'What right have you to be dismal? "'What reason have you to be morose? "'You're rich enough?' Scrooge, having no better answer ready on the spur of the moment, "'said, bah, again, and followed it up with, "'Humbug.' "'Don't be cross, uncle,' said the nephew. "'What else can I be?' returned the uncle, when I live in such a world of fools as this. Merry Christmas! Out upon Merry Christmas! What's Christmas time to you but a time for paying bills without money, a time for finding yourself a year older and not an hour richer? If I could work my will, every idiot who goes about with Merry Christmas on his lips should be boiled with his own pudding and buried with a stake of holly through his heart. Uncle, pleaded the nephew, nephew, returned the uncle sternly, keep Christmas in your own way and let me keep it in mine. Keep it, repeated Scrooge's nephew, but you don't keep it. Let me leave it alone then, said Scrooge. Much good may it do you, much good has it ever done you. There are many things from which I might have derived good, by which I have not profited, I dare say, returned the nephew. Christmas among the rest. But I have always thought of Christmas time as a good time, a kind, forgiving, charitable, pleasant time. The only time I know of in the long calendar of the year, when men and women seem by one consent to open their shut up hearts freely, and think of people below them as. If they really were fellow passengers to the grave, and not another race of creatures bound on other journeys. And therefore, uncle, though it has never put a scrap of gold or silver in my pocket, I believe that it has done me good, and I say, God bless it. The clerk in the tank involuntarily applauded. Becoming immediately sensible of the impropriety, he poked the fire and extinguished the last frail spark forever. "'Let me hear another sound from you,' said Scrooge, "'and you'll keep your Christmas by losing your situation.' "'You're quite a powerful speaker, sir,' he added, turning to his nephew. "'I wonder you don't run for governor of California.' "'Don't be angry, uncle. Come, dine with us tomorrow. "'I'll see you in hell first. "'But why?' cried Scrooge's nephew. "'Good afternoon,' said Scrooge. "'I want nothing from you. I ask nothing of you. Why cannot we be friends?' "'Good afternoon,' said Scrooge. "'I am sorry, with all my heart, to find you so resolute. "'We have never had any quarrel to which I have been a party. "'But I'll keep my Christmas humour to the last. "'So a Merry Christmas, Uncle.' "'Good afternoon,' said Scrooge and the Happy New Year. Good afternoon, said Scrooge. His nephew left the room without an angry word notwithstanding. He stopped at the outer door to bestow the greetings of the season on the clerk, who, cold as he was, was warmer than Scrooge, for he returned them cordially. There's another fellow, muttered Scrooge, who overheard him. My clerk." Not a single line in this production, with fifteen shillings a week, and a wife and a family. Talking about a merry Christmas, I'll retire to Bedlam. This lunatic, in letting Scrooge's nephew out, had let two other people in. They were portly gentlemen, pleasant to behold, and now stood with their hats off in Scrooge's office. They had books and papers in their hands and bowed to him. (laughs) Scrooge and Marley's, don't you know, said one of the gentlemen, referring to his list. Have I the pleasure of addressing Mr. Scrooge or Mr. Marley? Mr. Marley has been dead these seven years, Scrooge replied. He died seven years ago, this very night. We have no doubt his liberality is well represented by his surviving partner, said the other gentleman, presenting his credentials. Scrooge frowned and handed the credentials back. At this festive season of the year, Mr. Scrooge, said the second gentleman, taking up a pen, it is desirable that we should make some slight provision for the poor and destitute, who suffer greatly at the present time. Many thousands are in want of common necessaries. Hundreds of thousands are in want of common comforts. Are there no prisons? asked Scrooge. Plenty of prisons, don't you know? said the first gentleman. And the union workhouses? demanded Scrooge. Are they still in operation? They are. Still, returned the second, I wish I could say they were not. The treadmill and the poor law are in full vigour then, said Scrooge. Both very busy, don't you know, said the first. Oh, I was afraid, from what you said at first, that something had occurred to stop them in their useful course, said Scrooge. I am very glad to hear it. Under the impression that they scarcely furnish Christian cheer of mind or body, returned the second gentleman. A few of us are endeavoring to raise a fund to buy the poor some meat and drink and means of warmth. We choose this time, don't you know? Ooh, that's going to get old. Added the first, because it is a time of all others when want is keenly felt and abundance rejoices. "'What shall I put you down for?' "'Nothing,' Scrooge replied. "'Oh, you wish to be anonymous.' "'I wish to be left alone,' said Scrooge. "'Since you ask me what I wish, gentlemen, that is my answer. "'I don't make merry myself at Christmas, "'and I can't afford to make idle people merry. "'I help to support the establishments I have mentioned. "'They cost enough.' and those who are badly off must go there. Many can't go there, and many would rather die. If they would rather die, said Scrooge, they had better do it and decrease the surplus population. Seeing clearly that it would be useless to pursue their point, the gentleman withdrew. Scrooge resumed his labours with an improved opinion of himself. Seems a shame to stop there, doesn't it? Here I am back in the car. You know, I had come up with this idea of doing celebrity voices for the characters. It was while I was driving. Um, I I went to the library yesterday, and I forced myself to finish the. Christmas story that I talked about at the beginning of the month. Now I I had written it up and most of it was typed, but then I had finished it in my notebook. And while technically that means it's done, it's not shareable until I've typed it all up and compiled it. And I was really surprised. It ended up being, I think 21 pages long, which is beefy. And, uh, I shared that with my Patreon supporters, some of them, I guess, that same day, <laughs> without going through it and fixing any inconsistencies, any, you know, sentence fragments, any uh, typos that are probably in there. I just, I had never done that before. I finished it that day, and I shared it that day, and... Uh, I wish that I had done that last week or not gotten sick, and then I could have uh, presented that as my Christmas episode this year, Uh, or I could have gotten off my pudgy duff and presented the Christmas story that I wrote in January like I had intended, but I didn't do it. And so uh, instead, we had this little Dickens excerpt, and I, I assigned a couple of other voices like Bob Cratchit doesn't have any lines in that section. I I mean, I at least could have thrown in, you know, him saying Merry Christmas to you to Scrooge's nephew or, uh, you know, him greeting the people that come in. But I, I, I just didn't have the time to worry about that. And then, yeah, I thought it would be really fun to do. Like the Ghost of Christmas present. The, uh, you know, come in and know me better, sir. Guy as, uh, as Al Pacino. I have a great many family members. <laughs> you know, my other brothers and sisters. Nearly 2,000 of them. Whoa! That kind of thing. I didn't manage to do that. But. Just doing the video thing, if that works, that's an accomplishment. Um, And if you're saying, well, hey, there was no video, then it's because that didn't work. Oh, speaking of that didn't work, I... So, I I, like I said, I had to do it in one take. And it was difficult, uh, but I didn't end up doing it in one take. I recorded the whole thing, and then I stopped the camera and reached over to stop my microphone and I hadn't started recording the audio. And so I just pushed the camera back to the first spot and did it again this time with audio. And I have to admit it went more smoothly the second time. There was only one screw up. And uh, there's that. Perhaps you're wondering... Why is uh, The Christmas Carol your favorite book? And to that I have to say, I don't know. Certainly it's the book I've read the most times. Sorry about that. Um, When I was a teenager, I knew this girl Amy. And uh, she was a... uh, She had gone to high school with me and... She would tell me all about. She would answer the questions that no one would answer. She would. Uh, she would open the door just a crack to uh, womankind. What 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 it was like to be a girl and, and all the things that you weren't to talk about in polite company. And uh, I would ask her, you know, what is this? And she would say, Well, I'll I'll tell you. If I were Big Anklevich, the story would have gone very differently. But, you know, it didn't. But I remember her saying, Oh, my boyfriend and I are going to go see Captain Picard do A Christmas Carol. And I was like, Captain Picard? She's like, yeah, you know Captain Picard on Star Trek The Next Year? I'm like, of course, I am a geek. And she's like, anyway, my boyfriend and I are going to go see him. He's doing this one-man show of A Christmas Carol, and I was like, what's a one-man show? Anyhow, she went and saw that, and couldn't stop gushing about it, and, you know, he was on the stage, and he did all these voices, and, oh, it was awesome, and something she would never forget. And I said, you know, enough about Captain Picard. Tell me uh, what it's like to have boobies. Anyhow, either that Christmas or the next, I saw a cassette of Patrick Stewart doing The Christmas Carol, and I bought it, and I listened to it every Christmas. It was a tradition. It was something that I would listen to every single Christmas, and... I have never listened to it without crying. It's just good stuff. Um, Sorry to interrupt this riveting narrative. Yeah, I'm sure you just can't get enough. I am a natural-born storyteller, ladies. Uh, But I just passed this part of the freeway where the last time I drove it, which I guess was three weeks ago, I was in the rightmost lane... And this truck, like a semi-truck, big thing, at like two in the morning, came whipping around past me. Uh, he was also in the, the slow lane, as you say, and came tearing around into the fast lane and around me, going, God, I don't know, a hundred? Because I go about 80 on this road and just as he passed me, there was a deer in the road. And luckily, it was just to the side of the freeway. It had just either crossed or it was just hanging out there, hitching a ride, its thumb out. And I, I anyway, it freaks me out. Because uh, if you're a longtime listener of The Rich Outcast, I hit a deer in 2016. And, uh, ruined my car and I certainly wasn't going 100 miles an hour or even 80 when I hit that thing so anyhow anyhow, it's a, a phobia of mine now it's just of hitting a deer of there being a deer in the headlights and I know I talked about this that when my friend Jeff lived up in the mountains there would be a deer every other time I would go to see him and Sometimes they'd be just right in the middle of the road and other times they would be, you know, on the side of the road. Um, And I was always afraid, especially when it had snowed, that I wouldn't be able to stop. That, you know, they, they didn't get plows in the middle of the night. And so I was always afraid that there would be deer running across the road. And I'd hit the brakes and not be able to stop. Oh, and one time, while I was going down that hill, I saw this enormous form crossing the street. God, I've told this story before. Why am I telling you again? I, 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 let's switch it up for Christmas and say it was Krampus crossing the street, the road, instead of the boogeyman. Krampus had his bag I believe it was December 5th. There were a couple of toddlers. I could see some of those Heelys kicking from, from Krampus's bag. Anyway, no, they, the enormous form that was crossing the street was an elk, and I would have guessed that I had seen an elk before, but I had no idea that elk were this big. And it was a whole herd of elk that happened to be crossing the road as I was driving past. And so I just stopped in the middle of the road and waited for them to cross. And each one was horse-sized. They were enormous. You know, I've seen, like, stuffed moose before. And moose are just gargantuanly large creatures. But I'd say these elk were as big as, well, my idea of a moose anyway. Anyhow, I'm sorry for going off on that tangent. I, I just saw the, the place where there had been the deer, and I instinctively got over into the left lane and slowed down just because. You know. Anyhow, what was I going to say? Oh, A Christmas Carol. I bought that cassette, and I've never made it through without crying. It's just wonderful. wonderful. Christmas Carol is in the public domain and so anybody can publish their version of it. So one year I got like a really nice hardcover of it and I think I told the story of that there was a girl that I, I, I had fallen for and I bought her for Christmas a hardcover Christmas Carol and inscribed it and gave it to her and never saw her again. Yeah. I'm just full of these stories, heartwarming. Maybe I should write for uh, the Hallmark Channel. I like a Christmas Carol, or I love A Christmas Carol for a number of reasons. And part of it is the redemption of Scrooge. I mean, it comes at the very end of the book, but there are little seeds, little hints that he is redeemable spread throughout that book. I mean, uh, when the ghost of Christmas past comes, uh, Scrooge says, you know, there was a caroler at my door and, you know, I wish I had given him something. You know, stuff like that is just nice. I, I don't know. I, I I like Scrooge. I wrote a story, we ran it on the Dune Steve, where um, some young people get on a Ouija board and they contact Ebenezer Scrooge from the other side it's probably not a very good story but it's the only one I have written as a you know as an homage to A Christmas Carol I bet I I I remember when I was in college somebody talking about time travel stories and that A Christmas Carol is a time travel story and I I I just thought oh that's really cool If you look at it that way, sure, I mean, because Scrooge gets to go back and see himself as a young person, as a boy, and then later as a young man with Fezziwig and Dick Wilkins. Anyhow, there are a number of reasons I love Christmas Carol. Another one of them is the language. There's just something, it's almost musical, the, the poetry of... The, the way that the characters talk, everyone has their like little monologue and the things that Scrooge's nephew says, I obviously ruined with Arnold Schwarzenegger voice, but I just love that, uh, you know, there is no doubt his liberality, uh, continues in his surviving partner, you know, the... <laughs> When I first moved to Los Angeles, I sent letters of inquiry to all the places that I wanted to work. Like Richard Donner's office, Zemeckis' office, that kind of stuff. And the only one where I got an interview was Flying Freehold's Productions. And that's Patrick Stewart's company. I don't know if it still exists, but it did in those days. And they were, they were making a TV movie adaptation of A Christmas Carol at the time, and the person that was interviewing me was not Mr. Stewart, but he asked me what I thought of of Patrick Stewart as Scrooge, and I said, well, I knew his performance, his one-man show of A Christmas Carol by heart, I felt like, but in the movie... Version. I just, I felt like Patrick Stewart was too young to play Scrooge. And for some reason, the interviewer took that as a criticism. Um, where, I mean, he should have taken it as a compliment. I mean, I, I'm sure Sir Patrick would have, had he been in the room. But he said, well, if you ever read the book, you'd see, you know, that Mr. Scrooge is a young man, and I, I disagreed, didn't get the job. I would have liked to have worked there. The redemption of Scrooge is just really, really cool, and I love the fact that he goes through all of this, this change of heart and all that, and then as a, as a lark he puts on his grouchy old bastard persona to confront Bob Cratchit the day after Christmas and yells at Cratchit without meaning it, just, I don't know, to have fun with him. It's just, I I don't know, there's, there's nothing I don't love about A Christmas Carol, and it has the saddest words ever spoken in a book. And those words are may you be happy in the life you've chosen. Oh my gosh, I have <laughs> like I said, I, I I never make it through Christmas Carol without crying. And there you go. That section of the book where young Scrooge is meeting with his fiance, and she says another idol has displaced me, a golden one. I guess it's a long engagement that was made, was arranged years before and Scrooge has just moved up and up and up in the world and Belle, I don't know if her name is even Belle in the book, I just know her as Belle. Bell realizes that whatever feelings Ebenezer once had for her are gone. And why does he continue the pretense that they're going to get married? She refers to herself as a dowerless girl, I believe. And she gives him this chance to tell her that he does care, that he does love her, that he isn't just about money and standing and the opinion of others. And he fails. And the old Scrooge tries to tell his young self to stop, to tell her to to change this path that he's on. And, of course, the young Scrooge doesn't hear. And she breaks off the engagement and tells Scrooge that she frees him with affection for the man he used to be. And then she says, may you be happy in the life you've chosen. Just, I don't know. I guess I was talking earlier about wishing that I were a better writer, wishing that I could write something that speaks to people, that moves people, that affects people the way that great things affect me. And I'm never going to be Charles Dickens. (laughs) I mean, Charles Dickens has been remembered for a hundred years, and will be remembered another hundred years. After that, I probably should uh, aspire to a little less. But anyhow, I just, uh, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of A Christmas Carol, and I just didn't have time to do any more than that little excerpt, although I'd, I'd like to do more. I wish I could. Um, and, you know, I, now I've, I've talked a little bit about A Christmas Carol. I, I wish I could talk about my favorite adaptation of A Christmas Carol, which is the 1984 George C. Scott version, which I saw as a boy and liked because it was super dark, like scary. You know, the, the moment where the ghost of Christmas present has the children under his cloak that scene in the 1984 version is like something out of a horror movie it's like like what is that hiding in the closet and you open the closet and there's just this awful horror movie sound effect and you see these thin i mean th- that's how they're described uh, in the book as is as thin emaciated almost beast like feral children ignorance and want. But yeah, they're they're like monsters or demons or something like in that movie. Ah, now I want to see the George C. Scott one again. Just, uh, I mean, I've, I've seen a bunch of them. And there, there are, people always say the Alistair Sim version is the best. And I like it. I just, I love Scott's performance. And I love Michael Carter as the ghost of, of Christmas future. Um, I, I spoke to him once and talked to him about that. And he he was surprised that I knew that he had played that role because you know he's he's cloaked, you never see his face. Um and in that one he doesn't walk, he floats or he moves in this just horrible specter ghost like Fashion and he's got fudged up fingers that are like eleven inches long and st- oh gosh I just oh it's good stuff. Michael Carter played Bib Fortuna in Return of the Jedi and that's what you know him from uh, unless you've seen American Werewolf in London. He's uh, one of the victims and he says I'm a victim of your nocturnal proclivities or something like that. Oh, just good stuff. (laughs) Ah. I feel like we've actually got a full episode now. Whereas before, I was just like, darn it, do I dare release a 20-minute Rish Outcast? Like the uh, That Gets My Goats we released when that show first started. Where it's just like, yeah, 15 minutes is probably good for That Gets My Goat. And now, you know, we've had some that are 90 minutes, some that are two hours. <sighs> yeah, I think, I think we've talked enough, haven't we? Oh, but, but gosh, the Jim Carrey version sucks. Guys, I know Robert Zemeckis, he's a great director, and I think I mentioned him just a few minutes ago. But, wow, I dislike that version. Not, not uh, something that I, I ever need to see again. I believe it was Big, actually, who said, boy, that version sucked. And I said, I saw it in the theater. I still cried. And then the next time I saw it, it was after he had complained about how crappy it was. And I saw what he was talking about. They do, like, this all this silly, stupid comic relief stuff. I mean, of course, it stars Jim Carrey, so you're going to do that. But it's, like, super inappropriate. It's during the, uh, the you know, the Ghost of, of Christmas Yet to Come sequence when that should be like the emotional high point of the film, and they decide to do an extended slapstick routine with a, a miniaturized Ebenezer Scrooge. And I'm sorry, why, why am I telling you this? You probably already know that, right? Well, let me know what's your favorite version. There's the uh, Albert Finney one, the, the musical, where uh, he sings this song where he's like, I hate people. Da, 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 da. And, uh, oh God, I can't remember. There's this wonderful rhyme. I can't remember the... I don't know. If I had a little more time, I think I'd seek that song out. <laughs> Anyhow, um, I'm going to, uh, let you go. I hate people. I hate people. People are despicable creatures, loathsome, inexplicable creatures, good-for-nothing, kickable creatures. I hate people. I abhor them. When I see the indolent clashes sitting on their indolent ashes, gulping ale from indolent glasses, I hate people. I detest them. I deplore them. Fools who have no money spend it, get in debt, then try to end it. Beg me on their knees, befriend them, knowing I have cash to lend them. Soft-hearted me... Hard-working me, clean-living, thrifty, and kind as can be. <laughs> Situations like this are of interest to me. I hate people, I loathe people, I despise and abominate people. <sighs> Life is full of cretinous wretches, earning what their sweatiness fetches. Empty minds whose pettiness stretches further than I can see. Little wonder I hate people, and I don't care if they hate me. So, uh, Christmas holidays, 2017. 2017 was supposed to be the year of Rish Outfield, I think I said at the beginning of the year, or at least I said that to me. And uh, (laughs) there were a couple of good months there where I was a real writer, and I think I put out plenty of podcast episodes. So not terrible, 2017. Lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you. So, next week I will present my New Year's episode, which I recorded in November. So, was it November? I think so. I'm sure it will present its own challenges, considering the battery died halfway through. And I didn't realize it until later. But this has been my Christmas episode, and it's not not much, I uh, admit. But... As you know, there were a couple of factors I was up against. And I think everybody has factors that they come up against. And you can't do anything about it. Because there's another one just right around the corner. And there's another one just a few meters behind that one. That's life. I uh, will present more things in 2018. I still have, I'd say, four completed episodes waiting in the wings there was an episode I recorded in 2015 I think that still hasn't aired and I was about to run it uh, beginning of this month and I thought well I'll sit down and I'll record like a little introduction that explains okay this is two years old and this is why I never ran it and uh, the other day while I was going through files, deleting files that I had already published, I saw one that was untitled and I clicked on it. And at some point I had already sat down and recorded that message of, hey, this is an old episode and I was never going to release it. And that's a problem. And so I was just like, oh, well, yay, now I don't have to do that. And I just put it out of my mind and December has come and gone. So I think... In 2018, you'll get a 2015 episode and a heck of a lot of 2017 episodes. Gosh, there's so much I want to talk about right now and I can't, I can't do it. Let's hear those sleigh bells jingling, ring ting, tingling too. What the hell? Have a Merry Christmas or a good holiday or enjoy... Your December. And uh, thank you for listening to the Rish Outcast, however many times you've done it. Thank you for uh, donations if you've uh, supported me. Thank you for comments if you've commented. Thank you for emails. Thank you for whatever innuendo I was about to put there, and I thought better of. There will be more to come, and I hope for you as well. Good night. The Rish Outcast was produced under a Creative Commons 3.0 license, which makes it free to listen to, share, and poke fun at. But the podcast cannot be altered or sold. The music in this episode was provided by Kevin McLeod, the podcaster's friend. If you didn't completely despise this episode, why don't you support the show with our Patreon fund over at patreon.com? Every dollar gives me more strength to put Outfield in his place. The door of Scrooge's counting house was open, that he might keep an eye on upon his clerk. I screwed it up that fast.